Servant leadership, what is it and what does it look like on this episode of ReChurch? Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Glad to have back a great friend to ReChurch. Rand Hummel, welcome back to us. Good to join you. For, I think, I, w- I would say all our listeners know you, Rand, but just a quick summary. You're the director of the Wilds of New England. You've been with the Wilds how many years? Oh, my, 40, 42? <laughs> More yeah. than you want to remember, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Rand is known as a friend of teenagers all over this world. And Rand, I think you just introduced a webpage, your webpage, to help support the spiritual growth and these kids coming to know Christ in a great way. Tell us the address of that webpage before we get started and a little bit about it. Yeah, well, what we started kind of having such a burden just to create a greater appetite and a greater hunger and a thirst for God's Word. Mm. Uh, We just have daily meditations. We're going through 2 Peter. We were going to wait until the fall to kind of launch this. This is something that comes on their phone or their iPad, their computer, their Chia Pet, whatever. And basically (laughs) what they can do is while they're riding to school or while they're getting ready in the morning, you can read it. Mm. Or it's a fi- it's only five minutes, or you can listen to it, okay? It's audio, but also they get it uh, right there on their screen. And then there is a website, simplyrandhumble.com, that can basically, you go to that website and it directs you to the wilds, to the wilds of New England, and also to some of the books. And again, just I just want to do everything I can to be a friend to teens and, mm. and help them in this crazy world that we live. Because if they don't have a hunger for the Word of God, there's too many other things coming after them all the time. Yeah, true, true. Okay, well, thanks for doing that, and thanks for your ministry. Um, now, one of the shift today is, is a the Wilds is known for teaching servant leadership, and you've been at the Wilds 40-plus years. You have lived it. You have taught it. Uh, others have caught it from you. So I want to talk about servant leadership. The, I think it's the biblical model. So Rand, what, what are some biblical references maybe that you go back to for your basis, the ground level of servant leadership? Well, there's a couple of them. Of course, Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, mm. not slothful or lazy in your business, fervent spirit serving the Lord. Mm. I like what one translation says uh, uh, where it talks about outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, if we're in the dining hall and a waitress slips and drops her tray with a bunch of cups or bowls, you need to outdo, outrun anybody else to help her pick them all up. Basically looking for ways to serve. So Romans, Romans 12, obviously John 13, the example that we learned early on from Ken Kyer, it's not how many toys you have when you die, but it's how dirty is your towel. Are mm. you truly willing to wash some dirty feet? But I'll tell you, one of the ones that for me encourages servant leadership is one that most of us sometime in life have memorized, and it's Psalm 100. You make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And then the next phrase, serve the Lord with gladness. Wow. And how do we do that? Well, 
joyfully we come before his presence with singing. What motivates us? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us. We're not we ourselves. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. In other words, God made me and God saved me. And when he made me, he made us all with a special gift or ability to serve in some way. He saved me. And so I owe everything to him. And then how do you actually do this? Will you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts of praise? You're thankful to him, bless his name, because the Lord is good all the time. His mercy is everlasting. We never have to worry about him finally getting back at us. And, you know, his truth endures to all generations, the ones we're seeking to serve now and the ones to come. And so Psalm 100 is really a wonderful principled uh, psalm when it comes to servant leadership. So if somebody was saying, okay, I, I want to study this out again, John 13, Romans 12, 10, and Psalm 100 yeah. are some of the basics, right? Yeah. And you know, I, I would give one more. Probably okay. I usually get to study one book a year. When I, I, yeah. I do other reading, but I usually focus on one. And this year is the Gospel of Mark. And uh, when I was thinking of this question, I just looked down and went back a couple pages, Mark 6 through 10. Here our Lord Jesus, he was rejected in his hometown, Nazareth. Then he sends out the apostles. They go do their thing. Right after that, he finds out about the death of John the Baptist, at one point calling him actually his best man. Mm. And then they get back together, and all of a sudden now they're all weary, but he feeds the 5,000, does a few more miracles like this, keeps healing different ones. They travel a little bit more. Chapter 8, he feeds the 4,000. And then he fights with some Pharisees there. I mean, they fight with him, I should say. He does some more healing. Transfiguration, Hmm. heals another one. And then right in the middle of this, we have the disciples arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And then in chapter 10, he does, after teaching some more, dealing with the rich young guy that thought he could earn his way to heaven, Jesus foretells of his death again. And then here we get this request to James and John to, you know, to be on either side, to sit on either side of him. The reason I mention all that, Jesus, in the midst of rejection and hard times, the grief of John the Baptist being beheaded, working with these 12 guys, and in some ways they still didn't get it, they still wanted to be at the top. And finally, Jesus sat him down and said, okay, you got to be like a little child. Hmm. And you got to be willing just to simply trust and simply serve. And so walking through the book of Mark, I mean, our Lord, he, he was a servant at times when most of us would have given up. He really was. Yeah, that was a model, a model. If you study this, if you have lived this, and your wife as well, and your children too, because you all all serve there, what would you say at the wilds itself. Okay, so what should servant leadership look like? You mentioned the, uh, the waitress who may spill her uh, tray of drinks. What, but what should the servant leadership look like at the wilds? Well, you know, I, I assume at the wilds and really any ministry, it has to be visualized from the top down. Hmm. You know, when the counselors come in, we tell them your job is to make the campers successful. So you serve them. The program staff, I tell them, your job is to make the counselor successful as they're making the camper successful, mm. so you serve them. Okay. And then administratively, my job is to make all the staff successful so they can 
serve the campers. So practically, what does that mean? Help stack chairs, be involved with the cleanup. Don't be embarrassed if somebody sees you with a broom or a dustpan or a plunger. Um, <laughs> there shouldn't be anything we would think would maybe, I don't know, be below us. And I have actually found that doing cleanup with my summer staff is a joy because we talk the whole time yeah. and, and you get to pour into them while you're doing it. Yeah, so as you're doing really the the basic, the really, I think y'all call it carpet theology or whatever you call it, mm -hmm. you know, as you're stacking chairs, I've seen you, you have a relationship with your staff and you got a smile on your face and this is, this is time to invest in others. So you're serving the Lord by serving them. Is that a fair way yeah, to say it? Totally, totally. Okay. Yep. All right. Now, whenever any kind of spiritual endeavor, there are going to be obstacles. I mean, there are Mm -hmm. everything from my flesh to the world is going to be fighting against this kind of servant leadership. So what are some obstacles, uh, some common obstacles that you face as you work with teens and counselors and sponsors and pastors and churches? What are, what are those common obstacles you face in servant leadership? Well, come on. We all struggle with pride. <laughs> and we do. We think we're maybe too important or too busy. And uh, I know personally when I struggle with pride, or I'll put it this way, like I feel like I have to work so much or I'm being used and who even cares. At that point, I have trained myself to get up from behind my desk, shut my office door, and I usually go out in the courtyard or go down to Cool Beans, and I just find some kid that I can hang with, that I can share my heart with, find out what's going on in their life, ask them some questions. Um, peer pressure, by the way, is another biggie. Yeah. You know, we talk about peer pressure for teens, but I tell you what, preachers have peer pressure. Yes. And uh, sometimes they do. They're so worried about what everybody's thinking about them. And does this make me look less of a person or whatever? I'd say busyness is an obstacle. Mm. Two ways, no real time for staff or no real time to warm our own hearts yeah. with God in the morning. Mm. Uh, we will never truly be the servant leaders that we need to be if we don't approach the day with a contrite heart. We'll never have courage in the afternoon if we don't have the contrite heart in the morning with our Lord. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All right, so as a leader, uh, those are some things you face. What about as you're mentoring a young man on, on your campsite? Let's just say a counselor. So you have him for a week of training, and you have him, I don't know, eight, ten weeks for the summer. Mm -hmm. What are some obstacles that you would face in him adopting and then turning around and living and modeling servant leadership? Well, I think one is we get a little bit of, I like to call it spiritual amnesia. Um, <laughs> Define that. I think we all have. <laughs> well, first of all, we forget where we have come from, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yes. And sometimes we get amnesia because, you know, maybe some come here and they've been saved since the age of five or six and now they're college age or Maybe it's a program staff in their 20s, and maybe even those of us who have been around forever, it seems like. I think we forget that we're sinners. I think we forget that we don't deserve salvation mm. and why our Lord even chose us to save us. It doesn't really make sense when you seriously look at yourself. And when I forget where I've come from, that God saved me mm. undeservedly, Obviously, if we think we're pretty good people, then we don't have the idea that it's, I don't even like to call it a duty or an obligation. It is a privilege 
to serve my Lord. I can't pay him back for what he did for me, but it's like we can try, if you know what right. I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's just the natural thing to do. I mean, he has given everything to us. Why wouldn't we just want to serve? And it's not where the idea where, hey, if I make sure I humble myself, then God will exalt me. I'm not even looking for that personal exaltation. Uh, I like that verse in Isaiah, I think it's in chapter 66. God says, this is the kind of person I'm looking for. He who is humble and contrite of spirit. And that contrite means literally pulverized. God, you can never be a true servant until you are broken in some way. And then the third part is, and trembles at my word. And just realizing everything that God did for us. This is something we do. We forget because we get a little bit, I don't know, calloused or professional in our walk with God. Those who are just newly saved. Oh, wait, back up, Randy. The define okay. professional. A lot of people listening to this are in ministry, vocational ministry. So I, I like the phrase you just said. So define that if you would. A professional Christian, we have been professing Christ for so long. Okay. It almost seems like um, we know exactly what to say. We know exactly what to do. And it can kind of come across as an act sometime if we're not careful. Hmm. And I don't want, I want it to be real. And I tell you what, teenagers, of course, that's my life. Right. They, they can discern real. Hmm. And they know if there's a fake or if they're phony. They know if a preacher is in it for his own sake or for their sakes. So I don't want to be at the place where I've done this so long. It's just second nature. I want to get out of bed every morning rethanking my God for what he has done for me, for saving me, first of all, and let me even have the privilege to serve him, which, again, I don't even deserve that. All right, so as you go through this, the heart of thankfulness, again, Romans 12, not thinking himself more highly than he ought to think. So basically, pride, arrogance, a lack of thankfulness would be the key obstacles? Yeah, and just not thinking. You know, we have a lot of staff that anything you ask them or tell them to do, they will do it. Mm. But that initiative, a true servant looks for things to do and a way to serve. And and that's something I think can be trained. I hope so. I do strive to do that. Uh, One of my staff said, Rand, we just watch you. Sometimes we get embarrassed because you're going straighten things up. and We think, oh, we should have done that. Uh, But the next time we got it done before you get there. Uh Okay. But you have the opportunity to live and work alongside many, many young men and young women as well. Let's take a pastor. He's in an older church, and he's looking for someone to mentor. And Most of his congregation are older than he is. How can he demonstrate this kind of contagious servanthood? What would you, what'd you tell a pastor or a pastor's wife who... You know, they're discouraged. They are pouring their life into the work, and the longer they're there, the more it seems to be going downhill. What would you tell them? Well, you know, there's a lot of a lot of young preachers, missionaries, that really need encouragement. I think if you look pretty good, you'll find somebody. Maybe they don't go to your church right then. Mm. Maybe it's just a Bible study that you start on a Tuesday night at a coffee shop. Maybe it's a FaceTime with a missionary in Spain that just needs a friend, needs somebody to pray with them because they've been serving for their first term and they've seen no results. Mm. Um, and basically just, I, I like to use two phrases, which I try to do in my ministry, approachability and availability. Mm-hmm. Those are the keys. 
if you want to mentor people, you have to do both of those. You got to be approachable. And when people say, what do you mean by that? Like when we go to James 1 and ask God for wisdom, if we lack wisdom, we're supposed to ask of God who gives all men liberally. And then that next phrase, he abradeth not. Hmm. It doesn't get on our case. In other words, I, I should live my life in such a way that my summer staff who have questions about everything from theology to worship styles to culture, and they should be able to come to me anytime, ask any question without feeling like they're going to get blasted or what in the world are you thinking? Why would you even think that? Because our Lord doesn't do that to us. We want wisdom. He gives it to us. And even if you go to chapter three of James, who's a wise, uh, I know it says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge, or I call it a dude with knowledge. <laughs> and then it talks about some of the characteristics of true wisdom, peaceable, gentle, yeah. pure, easily being treated. That means approachable, mm. full of mercy, good fruits. He's not prejudiced or partial, mm. no fake, no hypocrisy. And the approachability, if we want to have an impact in people's lives, they should never be scared of coming to us and asking anything whatsoever. So approachability and availability. Yep. Yeah. yeah, the availability, I'll, I'll share this because I told you I was studying through Mark. Yeah. And this is kind of neat. What Actually, what our Lord did, he has a pattern, and it's very simple. Number one, Jesus spent time with his heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. Mark one thirty-five in the morning, rising up a great while before day, Jesus went out, departed to a solitary place, and he prayed. Jesus started his day spending time with his heavenly father. Number two, then he spent time with his, I call it his campers or his followers. Uh -huh. Mark 3, 14, Jesus appointed 12 so that they might be with him. Mm. And the whole concept was he spent time with his heavenly father. Then he spent time with these guys so they might be with him. We're talking about guys like Peter who talked all the time. James and John, who thought they were everything. And then there's Thomas, always doubting, oh, we'll never win a game this week, whatever it might be, okay? <laughs> yeah. Then, Mark 4.34, privately, when they were alone, he explained everything. So he taught his guys what his father taught him. Number four, he took them to a desert place. Mark 6, come yourselves apart to a desert place and rest a while because they were working, coming, going. They didn't even have so much time or time to eat. Hmm. And when I think of the guys that I've had the privilege to spend my life and pour my life into, honestly, it's been the trips to McDonald's, to the coffee shop, and Sunday trips. Say, hey, dude, you want to go with me? I'm going to preach about two and a half hours from here. Yeah. Uh, and when they go with you and you just hang out and talk with them, and, and they actually love that. Here in the fall, we have about 10 kids in their 20s uh, that work here, they go with me every single Sunday. They mm. crawl in a van mm. and make sure they go. And then, by the way, there is number five, Mark six forty six. When Jesus had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. So he spent time with his heavenly Father praying. Then he spent time with his followers. He taught them everything he knew. He relaxed with them. Then when he sent him away, he went back to his heavenly father and got some more strength. Amen. I thought that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a cycle. Yeah. And as soon yeah. as he spent time with his heavenly father, he started over again. That's good. That's good. So anyone discouraged can go to that, those passages you just said, look at that pattern and see how Christ did that, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
So I think you just answered my next question. How do you teach this? I think you just answered it by having kids with you or having those with you around you. Is right, that fair? Right. Oh, very, very. Because they, you know, they're going to watch you. And I, there's a whole principle of retention on hearing, hearing and seeing, hearing and seeing and doing. And that's why we're to be doers of the word, not hearers only. In other words, they can hear something, but if they hear it and see it, like PowerPoint or whatever, even in a message, the retention goes from like 25% to 50%. But when they do it with you, right. the retention, according to studies, jumps up into the 70%. Mm. So if you want your followers, what you do is tell them and then let them watch you and then do it together with them. And that's, that's a way that they can uh, repeat, which, of course, camping is repetitive. We repeat week after week uh-huh. the same thing. And our Lord did with his, his disciples, too. Yeah, and a lot of ministers repetitive. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. All right, last comments. What, what other words of encouragement? It's been a great. I appreciate you taking your time. What, what last words of encouragement? Servant leadership, I think you've done a great job of defining it, giving us biblical references, citing Christ and the way he served. What else would you say to someone? Because, I mean, some people come up like with one-word definitions of leadership. I've heard the word influence used a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think a better word would be servanthood or yeah. servant. Um, what else would you well, say about servant leadership in closing? Well, we're never more Christ-like than when we serve. Mm. And as we study our Lord, and I remember years ago, my daughter, she was three, Went to a children's church. They said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she, after one boy said he wanted to be a garbage collector because there's a lot of neat things you can find in the garbage, she said, <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a daddy. When they told me that, I thought that was cool for about 10 seconds. And I thought, I want my little girl to be like my Lord. Yeah. But my little girl wants to be like me. So if I want my little girl to be like my Lord, that means I have to change to become more like Jesus Christ every single day. Day. Right. And if I want to serve my daughter and my son and my wife and then my ministry, mm-hmm. I need to show them what a joyful way we can truly, Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness. They don't want to follow someone serving with sadness or even some to get grumpy and are even mad. Serve <laughs> the Lord with gladness. Amen. And the kids will line up to follow you. They really will. Yep. Kids and other adults and people in your church, everybody will line up to follow you. Rand, again, thanks for your time today. I know you're busy. We'll be praying for you. Again, we're recording this when summer camp. We just don't know what's going to happen in the year of 2020. But we'll be praying for the Wiles and for your ministry there in New England. Again, if you don't know Rand, you can check it out at randhummel.com. Uh, many books. Uh, you can go to the wiles.org or wiles.org and you can find his books. How many books have you written now, Rand? I really don't. You know. don't know? <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's just a privilege to, to dig in. I think I get much, much more out of it just studying for him than anybody gets from reading them. I'm sure. Okay, Rand, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. All right. You have a wonderful day. Thank, thank you. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.